Hey guys, this is the Walking Well Podcast. I'm your host, Jalon Martz. Thank you so very much for tuning in. Last week, we started a really good conversation about mental health and just what it looks like for the believer. And so I'm really excited to continue this conversation as we talk about anxiety. I have Katie Wiggins here with us who um, works in the mental health field, and I'm really excited for her to be able to share her perspective with you as a believer on what anxiety looks like and how to really tackle it. So Katie, if you don't mind, well, first of all, thank you for being on the podcast. Super excited to have you. Thank you. I'm excited as well. So could you tell us a little bit about the work that you do in the real world? So I'm a registered mental health counselor intern in Jacksonville, Florida. Um, I started out as a school-based therapist with a local agency and um, worked with children and families. And then um, two years into that, about two and a half years later, God gave me the vision of my own practice. And so um, the name Uprooted Where Healing is Planted came in prayer And I started my practice and I've been doing it full time uh, since January. And so um, it's been doing great. And I've learned so many things branching out in faith. I've learned so many things about mental health um, and faith combined that it's it's unreal. Mm, I bet. I think that's uh, as like a believer in the field of mental health. I feel like we have this crazy advantage, you know, just in walking through addressing, you know, like the two of the parts of our body, spirit, soul, body kind of thing. So um, launching off, like how would you define anxiety? Um, so, you know, anxiety has always been a thing that I've heard, but never understood per se. And the more I, the more experience I get with people who deal with anxiety, whether clinical or not, um, a lot of the times it, in my experience with the population I work with, it has to do with their first attachment and how connected they were or not connected they were and um, the fear of that. And so a lot of fear and worry of what is beyond our control, you know, um, the fear of not being enough, the fear of not having enough, the fear of just being out of control and completely having to surrender. That is a very difficult thing. And I think that causes anxiety more than anything in the experience I've had. Mm. So I know like in today's culture, anxiety is a word that people toss around like, oh, like that makes me anxious. I have anxiety, you know, like little kids, you know, and all of that I used to teach. And so I'd hear them like, oh, I'm so anxious. I have anxiety, you know. And so what would you say is like the main difference between sort of like the colloquial pop culture reference to anxiety versus like clinical anxiety? So clinical anxiety, it it can be um, a chemical imbalance or it's obviously something in our brain. It's something deeper than just stress. Anxiety is really normal for our bodies. Anxiety is caused when our body or our brain starts to react to a stressful situation. Um, So it's actually normal to have anxiety. You have good anxiety, you have bad anxiety. But when it's a chemical imbalance or your daily functioning is extremely impaired or affected, I would say that's what makes it more clinical. The same as depression. If you're functioning is inhibited, you're definitely nearing the clinical side, but anxiety itself is just a normal reaction. So it should not affect your everyday routine. Um, and so that would be the difference for me. You know, if you're going to take a big test, you're feeling anxious, stuff like that, that's normal stuff. Um, so it's still something to process, but it's not, it's not something you need to go to a psychiatrist for, get on medicine for, or, you know, but processing stress is still okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so then 
how, what are some of the tells? Like, how do you, what does anxiety look like? What does it feel like? How does it usually present itself? Um, anxiety can manifest in various ways. So, um, it can come, you know, sometimes I believe it impacts your physical health before it does your mental. Mm. Um, I think your body begins to feel things before your mind does. And, um, so that it impacts your daily routine. Um, but it can also be genetics. It can be, um, you know, the, the way like your, your family, if it was passed down, I see that a lot with kids. Um, but also if it's your brain chemistry, you know, that's something that needs to be looked at deeper. So, you know, that can probably manifest over time. And I think that even if it was your brain chemistry, possibly your life experiences, which is another way it can manifest does not help it. You know, if you have environmental issues or you have some experience that like PTSD or something that has caused major stress and any kind of trauma can really um, trigger that anxiety. If you had it clinically to begin with, Mm -hmm. Um, it can, I believe that it also, and I don't know if the research as far as evidence-based research on this, but I do think that some kind of trauma can cause anxiety to become a clinical issue for you. Ooh, can you, can you like flesh that out a little bit more? Yeah. Um, so like for me, I've seen kids where, you know, I have, I have one client who he, he's been through extreme trauma. He's been abused and, um, just terrible things have happened to him. And then he got adopted from a different state. He got adopted to Florida and, Um, His parents are so loving and so kind and just great, wonderful. And they're Christian. They're just wonderful people. And they're probably my favorite people to work with ever. And they um, loved him. They love him very much. They take care of him. They give him a safe environment. So his environment, everything has been shifted, but he still has anxiety. Um, You know, like, are they going to give me back when, you know, and it's been over a year. And so he still struggles with the fear of things out of his control. He's been tossed around so many times. So, so I do believe that the, the anxiety has manifested for him so deeply because of his beginning life that he still has to get used to what's happening now, the safety, you know, the safety is not always safe for somebody right away. Mm. It's got to and it's got to be consistent, I think. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I, what it sounds, what I heard you saying was sometimes life has shifted in a place that it is safe, but there's like this undoing that needs to happen on the inside of us with our trauma, trauma response, even just the way that yeah. we perceive like, okay, you know, it, it's safe, but I don't perceive it as safe just yet. Um, and so I think about all kinds of different life circumstances where it's like the undoing of what caused the anxiety is going to take some time, even though life has settled down. Um, that that's yeah. sometimes the case. Yeah. And then even if you're, if you're a child or even just an adult that in you, the way you were raised, if your parents modeled that for you or the one parent you have or whatever your you know dynamic was, that becomes a very important part of your life. Anxiety, worry, stress. Um, I mean, for me to be a little transparent, my mom was always in fear of not having enough money. It was so drastic and she still is that way. And I, I started, I picked up on that. And so, you know, I'm 34 and it wasn't until I was 33 that I started working with financial coach and truly understanding the discipline, the spiritual sense of money versus the fear, Mm. because I lived in fear so long of um, not having enough 
And I think what you fear so much usually will come true because it's all you're thinking about, you know? Man. So just, I think, so that's one of my soapboxes because the way that I've been taught spiritually about fear is that it is belief. And you like, if you look back at like the life of Job, um, that he said, the thing I feared has come upon me. And so sometimes there is that, like, you're obsessing and, you know, you can pull those things towards you. Sometimes you can be like self-sabotaging because you're so afraid. Yeah. I think it's, um, I love that you pulled that out. So then let's talk spiritual roots. We talked about some of the natural causes and things like that. So what are some of the spiritual roots that, um, anxiety can have? Um, I get so excited about spiritual and mental health put together. It's, you know, I feel like when I have a client and they're sitting in front of me, whether they believe in God or not, and they're talking about anxiety or they're talking about whatever the presenting issue is, I can, in my head, I'm just pinpointing everything that could have spiritually gone wrong. Not that it's their fault, but just in general, I can connect the dots and it's so powerful. And, um, so I believe anxiety is fear. And for me, it took me a little while, but I was talking to a pastor, my pastor and, um, my pastor's wife. So I call her my pastor, but we were talking and when I was in fear of something, I was going through something and she said, um, what are you afraid of? And so I started asking people that question as well. And so anxiety is fear, but then we're taught that God loves us. We're taught that he loved us first. Right. And, um, and that's why we love him. And I think that when you are in fear, then you're not feeling lovable. Uh, because the opposite of fear is love. And it's not, I used to think the opposite of fear was faith, but that doesn't really make sense. Biblically, it's opposite of fear is love. There is no fear in perfect love, right? And, um, And so if we do not know the meaning of God or love based on our first attachments or our life experiences or wherever, whatever has happened, the damage in our soul has really, really hindered our ability to receive love, give love, understand love, we have to get back to knowing God's character. And um, so if we're living in fear, we don't know God's character well enough to know that he loves us and he's not going anywhere and that he is 100,000 million percent able to be trusted. And um, that's usually when I know something's not right. If I'm in fear of something, then I need to check my, check my feelings on where I'm at, what I'm fearing, you know, where I'm at with God in that area. It's a big deal. And so that's usually what I do. And if someone is Christian, I tell them that. I think that's huge. And, you know, um, I think that I feel like that's such a game changer for anxiety, you know, because as being yeah. in the mental health field, I think we dance around with anxiety a lot. Like, well, let's, how, how do we appease it? You know, how do we figure it out? What, what is the answer to it? And to just go to the heart of it, which is you're feeling unlovable or you're afraid that whatever, you know, that you know, as a believer, I'm feeling unlovable or something is outside of God or makes you unlovable to him or that he's going to walk off or forsake you. I think that is the pinpoint. Like that is the heart of what's happening in anxiety. Um, yeah, that's, yeah, it doesn't so make sense to me, you know, it doesn't make sense to me that you're like, so, I mean, like in relationship, people get anxiety if someone's not texting back, someone, someone's not, um, answering their phone call or they automatically go to the worst thought. And I think that that always has something to do with fear. And then you're, it's, it gives you this illusion that you're able to force or control a person or something 
and you can't. And so no matter how hard you try, the more frustration comes for you. And it's like, when you really break it down, if you are a believer, you know, if you're not a believer, it's a little more difficult, I will say. But I think when you're not a believer, I think the for mental health, and you know this, we, you know, oh, we have coping skills, listen to some music, take some meditation, deep breaths, whatever. And all of that sounds great. And it, it must, you know, it must be okay for some, but it's not enough. It's not enough to count to 10 and take deep breaths. You really got to dig into that root. You got to. A thousand percent. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, I can definitely attest to that in working in mental health that it's like, I can give you coping skills, but yo, what's happening in your soul really needs something deeper. And so I love that you said you've got to get at the root of that for sure. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So let's talk some remedies. So what are some natural things that you can do just like to manage anxiety, deal with it, um, really handle it? Well, the natural remedy, I mean, aside from, uh, you know, we'll wait for the spiritual tool part, but I, I, you know, I, I'm really big on journaling. I think that, um, we have over a thousand thoughts a minute and one minute you can be fine. And the next minute you're angry or frustrated or stressed. And you don't know where it came from. It's because there's thoughts, there's inner thoughts happening constantly. We have a subconscious that is very real. And, for me in my head, subconscious relates to soul. So you have subconscious in the world, but then you have the soul. And that's where a lot of that stuff comes from. Our behaviors and the core of who we are comes from the soul. And, uh, and so if you're not really processing the trauma or the things that are happening in the subconscious that you're not able to, you know, truly pinpoint without process, then you, you may not get anywhere. So journaling is a really big thing for me. I give it to people, um, kids like to draw, but then you have adults, you know, um, like a prompt type journal that really gets your your blood flowing, your thoughts. Because I've had people be like, I don't know what to write about. And then you give them prompts and they're like, I never thought of that. I'm like, yeah. So prompts are really, really helpful um, as far as journaling goes. I think um, working out is really helpful. Like even if you're just walking, getting some sunlight, that's been helpful for myself. Um. I'd say digging into self-affirmation, self-esteem, self-esteem is huge, mm. huge. And um, so you want to be able to work on where it's coming from. How do you make yourself feel more loved? That would be self-affirmation, validating your own feelings, not judging yourself, giving yourself grace. I tell people that all the time um, because anxiety is super treatable, super treatable. Um, it's just people don't believe that because they have the fear mindset, you know? Um, so that would be some natural stuff that you could easily do without having to pay somebody. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I know, you know, there, I know plenty of people that are like, I can't afford therapy, but can you give me something to do? And so I love that you, you know, therapy, obviously, if you can, if you can get that in there, perfect, do that. But those were just some really good practical, this is what you can do right now stuff. Absolutely. So, okay, give us the heavy hitting stuff. So what are the spiritual tools that people can use to defeat anxiety? Um, I think it's pretty simple. Understanding God's character by getting to know him um, and his love for you truly helps us relinquish the control or the need for control. Um, I used to control everybody and everything or try, you know, actually I thought I was, but I wasn't. And it it turns into self-sabotage. It turns into pushing people away. You lose people. Um, I mean, I can dive deep into attachment, but that I really, that's the theory I operate from the most. And 
It truly means that you do not know God on the level that he wants you to. And that takes time. That doesn't mean you spend one day on the Bible and you know him. It's constant, you know, Um, putting on the armor of God is a true thing. Mm. Truly understanding who he is and who he will be for you at the end of the day is a big deal. And once you know him and his love, you will definitely understand that you are loved enough to be blessed, healed, taken care of. And there's a freedom in that. And a lot of people, a lot of Christians lack that freedom. They live on church in church on Sundays, but Monday through Saturday, they're slacking because they don't they don't even know. It's not even, you know, judging them. It's just they don't know. They really don't grasp his love. They gotta run towards it, you know. Yo, so you are preaching so hardcore right now. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Yes. And I think I even love that you, you know, you mentioned attachment, attachment theory. It's been so interesting for me to work in child welfare and reflect on how I am as a son or as a, as a daughter of God, you know, like, yo, do I, this is actually causing me to reflect on what do I believe about my dad? What do I believe about how he sees me? Um, and, and really understanding that that is, it's earth shifting. It's, it's literally perspective shifting. Um, so I'm going to throw a lot of people the two. I'm sorry. No, no, no. Go ahead. A lot of people, the two, you know, like if your earthly father or earthly mother was crap, basically, um, I had a really rough childhood and my parents were not parents that I deserved. I mean that, that I, you know, did I say that right? Yeah. They just weren't the best parents. They did what they knew how to do. And they have a lot of grace and forgiveness for them now. But when you're, earthly father really hurts you, you don't view your heavenly father differently. And so being able to dissect and work through your feelings, responding versus reacting is one thing I always say, it really helps you find the root, but you have to feel to heal. And if you don't, you're just going to be stuck in this ever revolving perpetuation of a circle that just doesn't stop. And you're always like, why does this keep happening? Because you never hit the core. Mm. And it always runs back to love. It's always going to run back to love. How loved are you? Mm. That's such a good question to ask yourself. Yeah. And just like to gauge, because it does when I like, you know, on our pre-call, I kind of talked about my year last year and how I walked through anxiety for like the first time. And the root of it was definitely like, how loved are you? It was, and, and I could say at that moment, I didn't know, like, and it became increasingly clear to me that I needed, I was like, I need to know how much God loves me because right now I feel disposable, you know, and that yeah. creates this sense of like, Ooh, oh my goodness, you know, um, and I love that question. I love that question. And I think even as you talk about like sitting with the Lord and getting to know him, sitting and asking him like, how much do you love me? And just hearing, listening for his response to you can be tremendously healing. Yeah, I did a, um, Bible study with my pastor and she did this. It was sacred something. I don't remember the name now, but it was just, it was a private group. You know, if you wanted to sign up, you could sign up. It was really cool. We read sacred pathways, the book, and it talked about different ways to approach God. Everyone approaches them differently, which mm. was really cool, but it was 10, 10, 20. So it was 10 minutes of prayer, 10 minutes of stillness and 20 minutes of um, the word. And being that routine, I'm not doing that right now, but being that dedicated at the time of the group, I 
there were moments where I was just in worship and crying and like, it was almost like Mary at his feet, you know? And I had never experienced moments like that with my father ever. And so to hear my heavenly father, tell me how much he loved me to like, feel as if he was literally right there in the room with me was the most powerful thing. It changed me. It changed me. And I think that I lived in fear for so long. And I do think it's fear in the, in the world just calls it anxiety. I think Mm -hmm. it's always good. I think the term anxiety is just something the world came up with. Um, Obviously it's in the Bible too, but I think when he says be anxious for nothing, don't fear anything is what he's saying. And so Yes, truly knowing his love for you. And that takes spending time with him. And it was just the most powerful. I've never in my life cried in worship like that. It was just, it was beautiful. And it was just in my living room by myself, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that the, like, (laughs) even as a therapist, I love that the the solution is still his presence. Like, I think that is still so, because he, you know, not to sound churchy, but he really is the answer for everything, (laughs) you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. And you're saying presence, like we learned that in school, right? We learn presence is everything, empathy, being there, um, just letting them, meeting them where they are. All of that is correct. But Jesus created science. He created the clinical mental health. He created it. And so it always aligns. And that's what I found to be the most fascinating thing in grad school. Everything I read, I was like, this could be biblical. It really could. It was insane. I'm like, well, God created science, so I guess it makes sense. But right. he he does he is the ultimate counselor. And so he's the standard, you know? He's the standard. Love that. Love that. Yeah, yeah, he is. I mean, and when you talk about school and even like in in the field with kids, like reading books about discipline, you know, and learning like, oh, discipline is not necessarily spanking and hitting and taking away what it is, is teaching you how to manage yourself, teaching you that I will be here, that I will respond to you. And so then you can respond better out of knowing I am a secure base for you. And that has just blown up my understanding of the Lord's discipline as well. Like when you say it it all aligns and it all makes sense, I'm like, yeah, because he made it. Yes, that's exactly correct. So cool that you say that because I had a session the other day with a client and I, I love her. She's just she came with major, you know, she described herself as in a hole mm-hmm. and major anxiety, major depression. She was just so dark and I, and she believes in God. And so God really, really allowed us to do some stuff together. And, um, so now she's a lot more light and we're obviously virtual now and we are talking and, and I've been able to, I'm using her as an example, but in parents in general, I've been able to relate. I don't have kids, but the way God loves us, you know? I can't imagine when you really put that into perspective for a Christian parent, they're like, you know, like they didn't mm-hmm. get it. They're yeah. like, Oh, that makes a lot of sense. Okay. Mm-hmm. So for her, she was talking about, I've done this and I've done that. And I've set it up this way for her to achieve this and do this. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, but God gives us free will. So who are you to not give your daughter free will? And that kind of thought process is a big deal. We have to give people free will the same way God, we have to love the way he loves us. And that means connecting, not correcting. And we are a correction through and through society. We do not connect. We do not know how to connect. And I have an online group that I, you know, just a little bit of psychoeducational stuff, not a therapy group. 
and um, people subscribe and pay monthly for it. And it's a small group, but the power in it is, is unbelievable. And it's, I just did a segment on, you know, a correction versus connection. Which one do you do the most? And most of the people say correction because they don't know all they're trying to do is control and fix the situation instead of understand it. And if we seek to understand, I think we would go a lot further. And I think the model, at least that I've walked with, with the Lord has always led with connection first. A thousand percent. It has always led with, yeah, it's always been relationship. It's been, Hey, what's going on? Come sit with me. Hey, let's talk about that. You know, like, and it, yeah, it all aligns and it all makes sense. Okay. So resources, anything that you would suggest when we're talking about dealing with anxiety, books, podcasts, messages, what do you have? Um, you know, I, when I read that, I was thinking books and I don't really offer a lot of books per se in sessions or even for myself, I don't read a lot about anxiety per se, but I do, um, you know, the four agreements is a huge book. It's one of my favorites. Um, I can't, I do not know the author right now. I think his name's Miguel something, but he, I mean, the four agreements was a very simple laid out book. It's not very, it's not Christian, but it's spiritual. So it's a little different, but he's, I think he's from India. So, um, but he refers to God a lot in the book and it's just such a good book about, um, you know, how to not take things personal and like self-love type stuff. Um, so, but I'm going to go ahead and say the journaling, you know, the same thing I said earlier, the prompting that is very powerful stuff to find a good prompt journal on Amazon is Amazon has a whole bunch and you might even be able to narrow it down by topic if you needed to. And, um, it just kind of helps open doors and helps you process if you need to do that. Another big thing, um, these are more resources that I think you can do without purchasing letter writing is huge. Um, it works very great wonders in my sessions, letter writing to somebody that hurts you, letter writing to yourself, letter writing to God, writing your prayers, whatever that looks like for you. Therapy obviously is a necessity. Um, that's not something to avoid. If it you need to go deeper, you need to get somebody to help you do that. And um, a lot of my people come for one little thing and it's a childhood wound that was just boom opens up and they're like, I didn't know I was feeling this. Of course you didn't. So you definitely need someone to to help you point out some stuff. And actually it's you doing the work, which is my favorite part of it. Um, the Bible is a great book to <laughs> start with. Um, using God's love as the standard, as I said earlier. Um, I think I mentioned self-affirmations, validating yourself, you know, um, try to tell your, you know, try to talk to your inner critic tell them, you know, who you are and God, that's, you know, that's something I have to do, if not daily, maybe every other day. Um, so just keep writing. Um, but there's two Christian books that I did think of, and I really, really, really love, uh, Lisa Churkers. I don't know if that's how you say her last name. She's amazing, but the book uninvited was a powerful, powerful book on self-worth and just knowing who you are in God. And also it's not supposed to be this way. Um, it's anxiety related, but I think it has something to do with when her husband cheated and there was different things, but there was a lot of fear-based stuff that she was discussing. And so those two books are really good too. Awesome. Okay. Awesome. I will be able, I'll tag in the show notes, the resources that we definitely can, um, that you mentioned. So how can people connect with you? Um, if they want to 
you know, just see what you're doing, get connected to your practice. Where can people find you? Um, so I, my business is uprooted where healing is planted. Um, so it's uprootedhealing.com. And, um, you could also email me if you need anything. We want to set up something at uprootedllc19 at gmail.com. Uh, those are the main two ways to get a hold of me, most likely. And um, I love what I do. I love working with people and helping them tackle their childhood wounds or, you know, the root. I, I'm, you know, and I believe that's why God named my practice Uprooted. <laughs> Got to pull them out. And um, so, yeah, oh. I appreciate this. Oh, this was good. so good. Oh, my goodness. It really was. Yeah, you, uh, man, Katie gave y'all some stuff, y'all, and and gave y'all, like, stuff to work on, which I love. So, definitely connect with her if you need a therapist here in Jax. She's here. Are you also online? Um, Are you able to take clients? I am. Yeah, I'm virtual only now. So, if someone emails me, um, I mean, you could call me, too, 904-993-2486. But most likely, email is the best way, or my website comes straight to my email. And I'm doing virtual. I'm offering first session free. And um, and then I'm on back to sliding scale. I was out of sliding scale spots, but I've decided to open them back up because I know right now is a very stressful time. And I, you know, I just want to help the best I can. So first session's free. And then we go from there with pricing. Awesome. So definitely, um, we love freebies. So y'all definitely connect with her um, any way that you possibly can. Um, And then with the podcast, um, definitely follow us on Instagram, follow us on Facebook, we're Walking Well Podcast on both of those places um, to get snippets and tidbits and um, connect and just share what was most impactful to you. What are you going to put into practice from this? This was such a meaty topic. And I love that Katie really offered some practical things. You guys know I'm a sucker for like, what can I do with this information that you gave me? So um, definitely connect with her. Definitely, definitely marinate. Think, um, go look up a, a prompt journal, you know, um, sit with the Lord. There's so many good nuggets. So um, you don't have a shortage of anything to be thinking about this week. So go into your week full, reflective, um, and boss it out. I love you guys. Bye.